This is the Horse Radio Network. Welcome to the Horse Nutrition Podcast presented by Purina. From our research farm to your barn, Purina's team of PhD equine nutritionists take you on a journey through all stages of your horse's life, from foals to seniors and everything in between. You'll come away with advice and knowledge on how to best feed your equine companion to unlock their greatest potential. This is Dr. Wendy Ying. I'm a practicing veterinarian in Sarasota, Florida. And this is Dr. Karen Davison. I'm a nutritionist with Purina Animal Nutrition in Sunny Gonzales, Texas. Today on the Horse Nutrition Podcast presented by Purina, we take a look at getting your foal off to the right start. We're going to take you from feeding mom all the way through weaning the foal. Plus, we chat with Natalie DeBordinas, Managing Director of Hilltop Farm, one of the largest sport horse stallion stations in America. Welcome to another episode of the Horse Nutrition Podcast. I'm Dr. Wendy Ying. I'm an equine veterinarian here in Sarasota, Florida, and I also competed my sport horses in combined driving, and I now trail ride and fox hunt them. And we're here with Dr. Karen Davidson, my co-host for this episode. Welcome, Karen. Thank you, Wendy. Glad to be here. So, Karen, tell us a little bit about what you do at Purina. Currently, I'm Director of Equine Technical Solutions, which is one of our teams of PhDs. We have five PhDs and equine veterinarian also involved in our horse business and developing new products and providing training to our sales and our customers around the country. And so I've been with Purina now for 24 years. And before that, I was with the Texas Agricultural Extension Service at Texas A&M, which is where I did my graduate work was at Texas A&M. So I've been a horse girl my whole life and have been with Purina now for the last 24 years. So it's been a, it's been a great job for me as someone who is really a equine nutrition nerd at heart and a horse person. And, and I basically, I get to talk to horse people about horses. Yeah. It sounds like you have the best of both worlds. Like you get to do the science and research, but also you get to go out and about and talk to people. And I'm sure your time in the ag extension office really helped you with that. Yeah, it it did. It was a lot of education involved in extension, which was fun for me. But with Purina, I get to tie it back to products that I know will work and perform and and do what we say they'll do. So it's just a, it's a really nice blending for me. And what kind of horses do you have? We have quarter horses. My husband, James, trains horses for cutting events and, and for rodeo performance events. And both of my children who are now in their mid to late 20s. They both compete as well, but we, we're in the quarter horse in the Western performance horse world. Oh, that's great. And do you breed cutting horses too, or he trains just trains them? We don't currently have any brood mares. We have uh-huh. been in the past. We've managed farms with as many as, as 90 horses in, in the cutting oh horse business. And so now it's, it's more of a training operation. And I spend a little too much time in an airport uh, <laughs> to, yeah. to be able to be as serious as I once was. So I'm kind of a fair weather amateur rider at these days. <laughs> and now we have a special guest with us. Who do we have? 
I'm so excited that, especially for the topic we're covering today, I'm so excited that we have Natalie DeBerdinas with us. Natalie is the general manager and breeding manager for the world-recognized sport horse breeding and training center, Hilltop Farms. And she can tell us a little bit about herself, but I'll start off with that she has been a lifelong rider and instructor and is well-recognized in her discipline in her area. And what makes me excited about Natalie is that she's also a very long-time Purina customer and there at the farm they have helped us with some nutrition trials over the years and Natalie is always a great addition to our Purina education conferences we have her come in and and give her perspective to horse owners at various conferences so Natalie we're grateful that you were able to join us today Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Natalie, thanks for joining us. I just, I mean, I'm super excited because I love Hilltop Farm. I've been stalking you ever since I've been a little kid. (laughs) (laughs) I love to look at all the stallion pictures, but this show is going to be dedicated to feeding, uh, feeding the mom in late gestation all the way through babies. So why don't we get started and we can have like a little round table discussion about what you guys feel is important. And let's start with feeding the mom in late gestation. Why is nutrition so important in that time of the mare's life? Well, Wendy, from a nutritionist perspective, we know that the fetus growing inside the mom does most of its growth in the last three to four months of gestation. In fact, it gains about a pound a day in the last 90 days of that pregnancy. So there's a lot of growth and development happening inside the mom. And the only way to get to the foal at that point in time is through the mom. So the nutrition of the mare during those later stages of gestation are exceptionally critical in providing that foal a good foundation so that they get proper development during gestation. Because when they're born, um, it varies individually, but they're at about 10% of their mature weight and often about 60% of their mature height. And so everybody knows a foal when when they hit the ground, they're a lot of leg, a lot of skeletal structure. So a lot of foundation has already been laid and the nutrition impact of that happens during the last 90 to 120 days of gestation. It's true. And for us on the farm, you know, we want to make sure that we're supporting not only the, the growing foal, but also the broodmare. And you can't do that in kind of quick starts. Once the baby's on the ground, you're already behind the game at that point. So we have to look at the nutrition for the mare throughout her pregnancy. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think sometimes people, you know, you kind of wake up and you say, oh my gosh, my mare's so skinny. And then like you said, they're behind the eight ball. They they can't catch up. So what would you recommend for horse owners to do in that last stage of gestation? How do you recommend feeding them? Well, as as Natalie said, through the entire stage of gestation, nutrition of the broodmare is important. But in those early phases, her nutrition requirements are still really similar to a maintenance horse. Mm -hmm. So depending on your forage quality, you may keep her in good condition with hay or pasture alone, but there will be protein, vitamin, and mineral deficiencies still. So they will need some supplemental feeding. It just depends on how many additional calories they need. So in a lot of cases, if a mare's out on really good pasture, and she's a dry mare, meaning she's not lactating at that point in time, and she's just in the early phases of gestation, some mares do fine on what we'd call a ration balancer, which is a concentrated 
product that's designed to meet protein, vitamin, and mineral requirements in a really low feeding rate. Mm-hmm. So you feed her a pound a day of Enrich Plus, which is the Purina ration balancer, along with good quality hay or pasture. And as long as they're maintaining good condition, that'll do a good job through early gestation. But then when they get into that later phase of gestation, even if the hay or pasture is keeping the mare fat enough, it's not going to be providing the right nutrition to support that fold growth inside the mare. And then, as Natalie mentioned, you get to that point where the mare folds and the baby begins to nurse. And if you've got a thin mare at that point, you're a little bit in trouble. So Mm -hmm. we like to take that last phase of gestation. And even if the mare is in pretty good condition at that point, we begin to increase the feeding rate to get a little ahead so that the day that mare folds, her nutrition requirements nearly double. So the the energy demand and the nutrient demand just from trying to produce milk is nearly double what it was at maintenance. And you certainly don't want to double her feed the day she foals. So it's a better plan. Instead of waiting till she foals and then beginning to increase feed, it's better to start ahead of that and pick a mare and foal feed that is appropriate for mares and foals. So with Purina, it would be product like Purina Ultium Growth, Purina Omeline 300. We have feeds designed specifically for mares and foals. And you begin that in that last trimester of gestation and gradually increase the amount so that you're nearly where you would be when she begins to lactate. Your volume of feed has already been increased a little bit so that you're ready to start supporting those really high nutrient demands of lactation. Now, I know you talk about the body condition score a lot when you're trying to educate clients about nutrition. And sometimes people look at their mares and they think they're fat, but there's just a lot of baby. So could they use the body condition score chart at this stage to evaluate if their mare is a little bit underweight or overweight going into that stage? Definitely. And that's a really good call out because actually the body condition scoring system was designed on brood mares. And and when it was first developed, it was about looking at the body condition needed to keep brood mares in good reproductive efficiency. And the early work by Henneke and others at Texas A&M way back in the 80s showed us that mares who were below a body condition score five, which means in in general that you can see a little rib showing or, or some ribs showing, those mares tended to cycle later in the year. If you got them pregnant, they were more likely to lose a pregnancy early on. So, if you just kept them in that little better condition where their ribs are covered, they were a better reproductive risk. So the body condition scoring system has evolved from there in that the system's still the same, but we see that it applies to a lot of different horses, whether it's mm-hmm. growing horses or performance horses. But it's extremely important to keep that brood mare in that body condition score five to six so that their ribs are covered and that they're maintaining their energy needs to meet all the demands that are placed on them during the different stages of production. Okay, so we get through that, the late gestation, and now we move on to the lactating mare. That is a really critical stage because they can eat and eat whatever they want and they never get fat, right? So what do you recommend at that stage? Well, again, I think we pick whatever feed we're going to keep them on through gestation through lactation. And, mm-hmm. and Natalie, you guys, you, you all feed a good bit of Ultium growth. Is that your program at this point in time? 
It is. It is. Yeah, we we use the enrich in the in the fall for a lot of our post weaning mares, but for our brood mares, foals through yearling year, we're on Altium growth. Great. And well, then when what, do you go on to creep feeding? So we don't actually, we don't set up sort of a traditional creep feed here. We start mm-hmm. feeding the mares and foals separately quite early. Mm-hmm. Um, usually that first month we find, you know, they're just picking in a little, but after about a month, they're fed in separate feed stalls twice a day, three times oh. a day, depending on the mare and how much she's eating. And so we start feeding the foals separately, small amounts at that time so that we can slowly increase the amount they're getting access to prior to weaning. And we like the separate feeding versus the, the creep feeding. For us, it's it's easier to control than how mm-hmm. much each horse is getting. We don't have to guess of which baby's eating more than another or yeah. how the mares are playing into the dynamic. That's a great way to do it because you also then handle the foals more and it probably reduces weaning stress when they finally have to be weaned. We think so. It's not always practical. You know, it depends how your facility is set up and and how many people you have that can help. But yeah, it's worked really well for us. So Karen, when do you think is the next transitional phase? I guess I would back up just a little bit and and maybe make sure we cover that Marin early lactation because it's it's really important that she's fed to meet her needs. And Mm -hmm. you made the comment earlier that you can just feed and feed them and it doesn't seem like they ever gain any weight. And when you have a mare that's lactating, she puts everything she can into the milk. And so if you let her get thin, or if you, if when you get her, she's already thin and lactating, you've already affected milk quality and milk production by not having adequate nutrition. So then everything you add to it, what would normally put weight on a normal horse, the broodmare will just, she'll convert that and put it in the milk and make, you know, better milk quality and, and better milk production. So it's really hard to put weight on a lactating mare. And one of the reasons that's so critical as far as a whole breeding farm management program is that that thinner mare is less likely to breed well. So if mm-hmm. you've got a lactating mare that's thin and you're trying to breed her back so she'll have a foal again next year, you're really in a, in a little bit of a bad spot. So it's always better to stay ahead of that mm-hmm. and, and keep them on a good mare, mare and foal feed that, that supports her nutrition. And then for the foal, as Natalie mentioned, you know, they'll show an interest in eating with their mom right away. Early on, they'll just mimic mom's behavior. But you know, our goal for helping nutritionally support that foal through their suckling phase while they're still on mom is simply to make up the difference between what they need to grow to their optimum genetic potential and what mare's milk provides. So we don't want to feed them a whole bunch of feed to make them grow faster than they need to grow or get excessively fat. We Mm -hmm. just know that mare's milk quality is at its peak about two months into lactation, and then it declines from there. So when you get to about two months out in lactation, the mare's milk alone is not going to provide adequate nutrition to support that foal to meet their genetic potential. So if a foal only has access to mare's milk in the first couple of months of lactation and on out, they will grow at a reduced rate which some people feel like, oh, that would be safe, but it's really not safe if it's not adequate nutrition. So things like trace minerals are really, really low in mare's milk. So we need additional trace minerals to support 
sound growth and development of bone and, and other lean tissues. So we recommend what's worked for Purina over the years since we've been breeding and raising foals at our research farm since 1969. And we've fed a lot of different foals. And our program is based around feeding a foal about one pound of good foal feed per month of age per day while they're suckling the mare. So a one month old foal doesn't need more than a pound of of additional feed a day. Two months Mm -hmm. old, it's two pounds. And that's just shown over the years that that helps keep that foal on a really steady growth curve that meets their genetic potential, doesn't get them to grow too fast, doesn't let them fall off and not grow to meet their potential, but keeps it really smooth and steady. Whereas if you do, you know, like what used to be done, we don't see it as much today, but it used to be you'd see a lot of farms with those creep feeders out for groups of foals. Mm-hmm. And as Natalie mentioned, that a lot of times you you can't control what each foal eats then. And you'll have the bigger, more aggressive foals may overeat and the smaller, younger, more timid foals may not get as much to eat. So that type of program really lends itself to a real uneven growth curve for the different foals that, that are eating out of that creep feeder. So if you can't individually feed like Natalie does at their farm, which is, you know, that'd be ideal. And that's, you know, individually monitoring each mare's body condition, each foal's body condition and growth rates, and then feeding accordingly. The next best option to that is actually to feed a very well-balanced mare and foal feed and feed the mare and foal together. Where and, and feed enough so that the mare gets what she needs, and then you have that little extra for the foal as well. And the good thing about that is the mare will eat enough to prevent the foal from overeating. So she yeah. kind of helps you regulate how much the foal gets. But as the foal gets bigger, they eat a little more and a little more aggressively. So it, it does usually work out pretty smooth if you're not in a situation where you could feed each foal individually. So I just wanted, that's a lot of talking and I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's good. That, that suckling foal period is really important because you want them growing to meet their genetic potential so that when you do wean them and you take mare's milk out of the picture, you can make a smooth transition and you just add just enough feed, which is usually a couple of pounds a day to make up the difference between what they had when they were nursing mom to what they need now. And mm-hmm. they just continue. They're used to eating. They know how to eat dry feed. They know who their friends are. You wean them with some of their friends and the mm-hmm. weaning stress is really greatly reduced. And most of those foals in those kind of programs don't really back off or drop off during weaning. They just go and continue to grow on a good, nice, smooth growth curve. You know, I think the smooth growth curve is where sometimes novice breeders get off track because they're either afraid to feed too much because they don't want their horse to grow too fast or they don't feed enough and they don't really know how to put the theory into practice with feeding. So can you give us a little advice about what are the negative consequences of improper feeding at this age and then how we fix that? Sure. And and I, I tell you, a rule of thumb would be to use the body condition scoring system on your young growing horses. And don't worry about overfeeding or underfeeding. If you choose really good quality foal feed, if you're feeding an Ultium growth or another Purina Marin foal feed that's designed to support proper growth and development, 
if you're feeding it and you're feeding it at a rate that maintains a moderate body condition where those foals little ribs are just barely covered and they're mm -hmm. not getting overly fat what that means is, is you're providing the nutrition to meet their genetic potential for growth. The indicator that you're overfeeding or you're feeding them beyond their genetic potential is they begin to just get fatter. And mm -hmm. if fat's not a good thing on a good on a young growing foal. And that's one of the reasons it's really important for horse owners to actually learn the body condition score chart because, you know, you mentioned it earlier with mares that a lot of people will look at a mare and think she's fat because she's full of baby. She's not actually fat. Well, the same thing happens to babies, especially after they're weaned. If you don't have them on a really good nutrition program, They'll begin to get a little bit ribby, but they'll get a big tummy or big belly mm -hmm. on them. And because at that age, they're not real efficient yet at digesting forages or fibers. So they may get a little bit of a hay belly and you'll see people cut their feed back trying to keep them from being so fat when actually they need more feed to keep their little ribs covered. Sometimes you just have to get used to that little belly look if you don't have the best quality forage. But when you take that baby post weaning, if you've grown them on that smooth, steady growth curve, they will just continue to grow and develop and they just kind of look like little horses that are a little taller than mature horses from mm -hmm. a perspective. They don't have to get where they get a little ribby and a little belly and that real lanky right. appearance. That comes from the, the quality nutrition because that steady growth curve is important. We run into this from time to time where somebody didn't adequately feed the mare and foal while the baby was suckling. Mm -hmm. And then when they wean the baby, they start feeding them essentially all the feed they can eat to try to catch them up and oh, those yeah. foals will really they do what we call compensatory gain they don't just grow a little bit faster they actually try to catch up to where they should have been growth wise if you had fed them properly all along and it's during those really rapid phases of growth that you see things like contracted tendons and other developmental problems really show up so natalie i'm sure with spore horses at the level that you guys are breeding you have a really specific program for your babies tell us a little bit about that so as we get close to weaning time again we've we've been monitoring feed all along we actually weigh our babies every month so we can help chart that growth curve and one of the the reasons we actually switched to the feed where we're currently on is we wanted to see a steadier process than we'd had on on some previous feeds and we look at those babies our broodmares our performance horses on the farm every single month they they get kind of fresh eyes looking over them looking at that body condition scoring are we happy with the weight and the growth we also look at farrier, things like that, making sure we've got just a consistent eye on them. And then when we get to weaning, our goal is to minimize changes during that time so that we put the least amount of stress on the foals. And we've already got our nutrition piece in place. They're used to eating by themselves. They're eating the feed. We will have them on post weaning. Mm -hmm. They're going into the feed stall. They're used to going into... We're fortunate we have groups of mares and foals, so we can do actually an easy weaning for us. One mare comes out of the field at a time. A few days later, the next mare comes out. It's it's a very non-event here on the farm for all the foals. <laughs> and we don't see that big drop-off generally that people worry about of weaning and, and hay bellies and kind of them suddenly looking, you know, growthy or you want to hide them behind the barn, whatever. Right. You know, the babies, because a lot of the stressors have been removed from the equation. And because 
the feeding programs supporting the growth they need, it's usually a pretty steady, easy process for us there. So if the breeder is taking this path of nutrition, then ideally, if they have a good body condition score and everything's going well, they should be able to pull the mommy and baby out at any time and be able to go to an in-hand show, a sport horse show, right? Yes, I think so. You know, we're lucky in the sport horse world that the scoring for those breed shows, such as Dressage at Devon, that's a a big one in the fall in in the Mid-Atlantic region. Those judges are looking for future performance horses and Mm -hmm. the scores are based on confirmation, but especially on movement. And then there's a little bit for overall impression. So they don't want those babies overly fat. They also Mm -hmm. don't want them super thin, like they want them in a good body condition and and they want them to look like athletes. So we don't do anything special when we prep babies or young horses to take to Devon. We work with them more handling wise, like there's some work they do that way, but we don't change our feeding program or our farrier program. We don't bring them in. They live out in the fields until they go in. It's the day-to-day care and nutrition they may they get that allows them to go to that show and do well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that I think that's so important because their life is going to be a sport horse. They need their joints and their muscles and their behavior to all be balanced so that they can live a long, fruitful life as an athlete. Absolutely. And one of the pieces Karen's mentioned a couple of times of you have to feed for their genetic potential Mm-hmm. I think it's really important, particularly for the sport horse world, we tend to have a little bit easier keepers, they tend to be faster growing than some other horses. And mm-hmm. an inexperienced breeder can be led a little bit down a wrong path of you don't want them to go to grow too quickly, or you, you don't want them fat. So don't feed them enough. But really, that horse has a genetic component of how tall it's going to be or right. you know, how how it's muscling is going to come in and, and you need to feed them to support that growth, right? Not feeding them doesn't change that genetic. (laughs) That's a really, that's a really good point. And and Wendy, I'd just add to that is that, you know, if, if horse owners would consider that the protein, vitamin and mineral nutrition, the balance of, and the quality of the protein, vitamin and minerals in the diet, those affect the soundness of that growth, the muscle, the bone, the lean tissue growth, the calories affect the rate of the growth and the body condition. And so, you know, our goal is always to monitor the calories. It's kind of like driving your car down the road. You want to have that car that's sound and and built properly and you control the gas pedal (laughs) about how fast you go. And, And if you push that gas pedal too fast, you can have the same quality of car, but you're going to run off the road if you're going too fast and you hit a curve or a speed bump or something like that. So the calories are what we want to adjust. But what happens a lot of times is people in their effort to slow that growth curve down, they really uh, almost obliterate the balance of nutrition and you end up with a foal who doesn't have the benefit of the proper protein, vitamins and minerals to support sound growth and development. So when you follow that kind of program, the the goal is to prevent any developmental disorders that might affect the long-term soundness of that individual. But the end result of feeding them improper nutrition in that effort is that you just delay the onset, but those Mm -hmm. problems will show up. They just may show up a little bit later because the growth is slowed down. So, so the goal is always to make sure you provide the proper protein, vitamins, and minerals to support 
their genetic potential for growth. And then depending on your forage quality and the individual horse's genetics, all those things, then we, we try to maybe make some adjustments on the calorie content. And we can right. do that with different feeds or different hays. Um, and there are cases in some places where you have such a high quality forage that some of these youngsters are growing at such a fast rate of speed that we put some of them on the ration balancer and we put them mm-hmm. on a couple of pounds of Enrich Plus to give them the protein, vitamins, and minerals to support growth. But they're getting so many calories from the forage, they couldn't eat the four or five pounds of, an, of, of a good feed like Altium Growth. So right. there's, there's some adjustments we can help make just to fine tune that we just need to make sure that the nutrition is sound and that we adjust the calories to affect the rate of growth. Yeah. Like there's a big difference between horses that are in a little tiny paddock in California or that are on like 200 acres in Mm. Tennessee. (laughs) Oh, oh, exactly. And what you find a lot of times in these youngsters when they're weaned, you follow them, and Natalie, you may can comment on this, but usually we wean them into groups of fillies and colts. And the funny thing is, is as they get up into their yearling year, if everything is the same between those groups, the fillies tend to get a little fatter and the colts tend to be a little bit leaner. And that's just, I call it the female effect. You know, <laughs> the fillies stand around and visit and the, yeah. the colts are out roughhousing and running around and, and playing. And so you need to be paying attention to that. And you may adjust feeding rates based on that. Absolutely. That's very true. We find that every year that we are always feeding our colts more than our fillies. Our fillies tend to transition to our ration balancer, which we use in rich. They tend to transition to that earlier than the colts do. Often our fillies by late yearling year may be moving over to the chubby girl feed. <laughs> While the colts, it's, it's often more two or three year old year before we start to see a transition with them if we do. Now, how did you guys get involved with Purina? How did Hilltop and Purina come to this cooperation? Sure. So I've actually, I kind of grew up feeding my horses Purina. I can't really think of a time when I wasn't. So when I came back to Hilltop in 2007, we transitioned um, the horses over at that time here on the farm. We have right now, oh, 92 horses living on the farm They range from a six-day-old foal to a 28-year-old breeding stallion and everything in between. Lots of dressage horses from ages three to to 12, from just starting to Grand Prix. And when we were picking a feed company, you know, the reliability factor, the control factor, the availability, but also having options within the feeding lines that could fit that wide range of horses was important for us. And then, Karen, do you consult with Natalie on different issues? We have some opportunities because at Purina, we're always continuing the research. So we're always looking out into the industry for problems. That's how we design and develop new feeds. We look out there and we have great partners out in the industry like Natalie that can help us go, you know, we're having trouble with this type of horse and we may not have the right feed or this feed is close, but we'd like to see something a little different. And so we do the research at our research farm at Gray Summit, Missouri, where Mm -hmm. we, we may do research on our own mares and babies with different nutrition protocols. And when we find something that we think is addressing those issues that we hear about out in the industry, then we'll go to people like Natalie and we'll say, we think this is a good one. You know, can you give us a few horses and let us try and make sure that this is going to work right in the real world. And so Natalie has been awesome. Our relationship with Hilltop Farm has been amazing for us because 
they're so well managed. It's one of those things that you, there's certain farms you really are proud to feed and there's other farms you almost wish they fed somebody else's feed <laughs> because they don't, <laughs> they don't have the management that lets your feed do the best job. So we look at things like our partnership with Hilltop and Natalie as a partnership. It's not about selling a certain feed product. It's about working the program to the best of their ability and, and to plug in and have the nutrition help them accomplish what they can accomplish. So yes, over the years, we've leaned on Natalie and her team as I said in the beginning, she comes into St. Louis where we have some producer and horse owner conferences and, and she helps educate during some of those conferences. And then our research team does do some work with them when we're working on different options and new product ideas. Well, and that goes both ways too, where we've been so lucky to reach out to you all when we've had an issue with a horse or something that's just Right now, we have one broodmare on the farm that's a little bit insulin resistance. And so trying to figure out what her feeding program is going to be versus some of the other mares. And and again, having those options and resources is one of the things we, we feel very fortunate to have access to through Perina. Well, Natalie, thank you so much for joining Dr. Karen and I on this episode of the Horse Nutrition Podcast. This was an exciting conversation for me. I think I learned a lot. This was so great. And I'm really happy that you could join us. So where can people find you if they want to dream about your stallions? Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> you can visit the website, which is www.hilltopfarminc.com. My email and all my contact info is on there. All the stallions have Facebook pages. You can find us there and Instagram and Twitter and, and anywhere. So <laughs> or the best. Okay, well, I have to say something. I thought you had the dream job. Now I'm convinced that whoever does the stallion Facebook pages has the real dream job. Oh, that's still me, but <laughs> me oh, that's you. <laughs> okay. You win for dream job. Yeah, but the, in the, but the best world. thing is, is come visit the farm and, you know, spring's a great time. There's babies and there's competition horses and mid Atlantic area is a great, beautiful area to visit. So people are welcome to come visit and see the horses. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, Dr. Karen, thank you so much. This has been such a fun show. It's been a blast. And I really, I really appreciate Natalie joining us. I, I think her experience in the industry has just been really helpful in this topic. Yeah, I think it's been great. And it's great that breeders like Natalie and, and all over the country can contact you at Purina and ask you for help. And, and there are PhDs like you there waiting to answer all their questions. So this has been very exciting. You bet. We're always willing to help and we have good customer service people. But if the nutritionist is needed or even a veterinarian, we have that resource available as well. And now let's hear about one of the lucky horses that help us develop new products at the Purina Animal Nutrition Center. Today's horse highlight is Snakebite. She's a sorrel quarter horse mare that's now 19 years old. She got her name for two small markings on her nose that looked like a snake bit her on the nose. She's had 11 foals at the Purina Research Farm, so she's one of our grand dams that has had a lot of babies to help us keep our herd numbers where they need to be. And you can see a picture of Snakebite in the show notes for today's episode. To learn more about the products discussed in this episode and all the products offered by Purina, visit PurinaMills.com. We also have direct links to the products and a picture of our highlight horse in this episode's show notes. The Horse Nutrition Podcast is available on most podcast players. Just search for the Horse Nutrition Podcast by Purina. 
It is also available with the Other Horse Podcasts at horseradionetwork.com or on the Horse Radio Network phone app. Just search for Horse Radio Network on your iOS or Android device. Until the next Horse Nutrition Podcast by Purina, enjoy the precious time you have with all your equine friends. <laughs>